Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen lawul hamdu hasan wa thanawul jameel wa ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lah yaqulul haq wa huwa yahdi sabil واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد all praise and thanks is due to Allah azza wa jal peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayh peace and salutations upon his family upon his friends and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam Last week's lesson we ended off where we were discussing the seven things that invalidate one's fast. And inshallah tonight we will be starting off with the third point. The third of the things that invalidates the fast is eating or drinking. This refers to food or drink reaching the stomach via the mouth. If anything reaches the stomach via the nose, this is like eating or drinking. And we get this from the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, snuff up water deeply into the nose when doing wudu, except when you are fasting. This hadith is found in the jami of Imam At-Tirmidhi rahimallahu ta'ala. So my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, if water is reaching the stomach via the nose, then the Prophet ﷺ would not have told us that the fasting person is not to pull up or not to snuff up the water very deeply in his nose. The fourth of the things that invalidates the fast is anything that is regarded as coming under the same heading as eating and drinking. And this includes two things. Number one, transfusion of blood to one who is fasting, such as if he bleeds heavily and he is given a blood transfusion. This invalidates the fast because blood is formed from food and drink. Number two, receiving via a needle as in the case of a drip, nourishing substances which takes the place of food and drink. I'm going to repeat this. Receiving via a needle, yani as in the case of a drip, nourishing substances which take the place of food and drink because this is the same as food and drink. And this is the view of Shaykh Muhammad Salih ibn Uthaymeen rahimallahu ta'ala in his book Majalis Shahr Ramadan. With regards to injections which do not replace food and drink, rather they are administered for the purpose of medical treatment, such as penicillin or insulin or are given to energize the body or for the purpose of vaccinations, 
these do not affect the fast. I will repeat, these do not affect one's fast. Whether they are intravenous or intramuscular, injected into the vein or the muscle. And this is the fatwa of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Ibrahim. May Allah be pleased with him. But to be on the safe side, these injections may be given at night. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, with regards to kidney dialysis in which blood is extracted, cleaned and then returned to the body with the additional of chemical substances such as sugars and salts, this is regarded as invalidating the fast. And this fatwa is the fatwa given by Al-Lajna Ad-Da'ima. The fifth of the things that invalidate the fast is letting blood by means of cupping. And we discussed this in detail where we explained and we said that there are two valid opinions with regards to cupping. So those that allow cupping, they won't regard this fifth opinion. But for those that say cupping breaks the fast, this leads us to this opinion, which is that cupping invalidates the fast. Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, the cupper and the one for whom cupping is done have both invalidated the fast. This hadith is found in the Sunan of Abu Dawood and it is class Sahih by Shaykh Albani rahimallahu ta'ala. Donating blood comes under the same heading as cupping because it affects the body in the same way. Based on this, it is not permissible for a person who is fasting to donate blood unless it is essential, in which case it is permissible in that case, the donor has broken his fast and he must make up that day later on. Again, this is a fatwa of Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin rahimallahu ta'ala. In his book, Al-Majalis or Majari Shahri Ramadan, page 71. And also, this book of Shaykh Uthaymin, it is translated into English and I'm sure if one Googles it, you should find the PTF. If a person suffers from nosebleed, his fast is valid because this happened involuntarily. No one came and they decided to make the nosebleed. And this is the fatwa of Lajna Ad-Da'ima. With regards to bleeding that results from the extraction of a tooth surgery or blood test, this does not invalidate the fast because it is not cupping or something which is similar to cupping unless it has an effect on the body similarly to that of cupping. Point number six or the sixth mas'ala that invalidates the fast and that is vomiting. Vomiting deliberately or vomiting on purpose. Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said that whomsoever vomits involuntarily does not have to make up the fast. But whomsoever vomits deliberately 
let him make up the fast. This hadith is found in the jami of Imam Abu Isa At-Tirmidhi rahimallahu ta'ala and the hadith is declared sahih by Shaykh Albani. May Allah be pleased with him. Ibn Al-Mundir, he said, the scholars are agreed that the fast of one who vomits deliberately is invalidated and this is found in Al-Mughni. So whoever vomits deliberately, my beloved brothers and sisters, by sticking his finger in his throat, pressing his stomach, deliberately smelling something nasty, or persisting in looking at something which makes him vomit, he has to make up this fast later on. And what is meant by later on, this is obviously after and out of the month of Ramadan. The seventh of the thing or the seventh thing that invalidates one's fast is the blood of menses. Yani al and nifas nifas and this is obviously specific for our females. Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said is it not the case that when she gets her haid, when she gets her period, she does not pray or fast? Narrated by Imam al-Bukhari. When a woman sees the blood of her haid or nifas, then her fast becomes invalid even if that is a moment before sunset. Meaning, sunset is at 7 p.m. 6.58, 6.59, it's not yet sunset. Her period starts, what happens? Her fast becomes invalid. If a woman feels that her period has started but no blood comes out until after sunset, her fast is still valid. And this is a very important mas'ala. If a female, I will repeat it, if a female feels that her haid, that her period has started, but no blood comes out until after sunset. Her fast is still valid. If the bleeding of a woman who is going through haid or nifas ceases at night and she has the intention of fasting, then dawn comes. Before she does husr, the view of all of the scholars is that her fast is valid. Right? Let's look at this mas'ala again. So we have a sister. She's menstruating or she has nifas. And this ceases at night. So comes 9 o'clock, comes 10 o'clock at night, this ceases. And she has the intention of fasting. And then dawn comes before she could make a husl for whatever reason. So the Fajr Adhan comes and she has still not made her husl. But she had the intention to fast. So her fast is valid. It is preferable for a woman to keep her natural cycle. So this mas'ala has to do with the concept of Preventing the menstruation. 
So what happens? A female, she goes to her doctor, to a gynecologist, and they give her certain tablets which will maybe delay the menses or will say, okay, fine, if you take this particular medication, you will find that your menses will be delayed, etc. So this is the mas'ala that the author has brought up. He says that it is preferable for a woman to keep to her natural cycle and to accept that which Allah has decreed for her and not to take any medicine to prevent her period. So remember my beloved brothers and especially for our sisters, we are not saying it is haram. We are saying it is preferable. She should accept what Allah has decreed for her of not fasting during her period and make up those days later on. This is what the mothers of the believers, which is in Arabic the Ummahatul Mu'mineen and the women of the Salaf, of the pious predecessors, this is what they would practice on. In addition, it has been medically proven that these means of preventing menstruation can sometimes be harmful and it can cause the menstrual cycle of the female to be irregular. And as a result, many of our ulama, they have said that it is better, it is preferable for the female to keep a natural cycle. Obviously, if the female, for example, she is going on hajj, she is going on umrah, and she needs to take this, because if she is not going to take the tablets, what will happen? She might find that when the whole group, when her family, when her father, when her maharim, when they are going to enter into ihram to go for umrah, or when the day of Arafah comes, the days of hajj, then she might have a menstruation. Then obviously the ulama would say it will be better for her to take the tablets and Allah knows best. So these are things, my beloved brothers and sisters, that invalidate the fast. All of them apart from the menses and nifas only invalidate the fast if three conditions are met. That the person was aware of the ruling. So for example, someone he didn't know that cupping breaks your fast. And he went for cupping. He only found out afterwards his fast was still valid. That he did it knowingly and not out of forgetfulness. This is point number two. So for example, someone he comes, as we will see a bit later. He comes and he has a glass of water and he realizes, Subhanallah, I am fasting. His fast is not broken. And thirdly, is that he did it by choice and he was not forced to do it. Meaning, someone he is fasting in the month of Ramadan. A second person comes up to him. The person walks up to him. He holds a knife. He holds a gun to his head. And he says that if you do not break your fast, I am going to shoot you. So any sane person, he will eat something. He will break his fast. So this does not fall under an invalidation of his fast. We should also note some things that do not invalidate the fast. And we mentioned this previously. For example, eye drops. For example, eardrops. For example, a truth extraction and treatment of injuries. 
these do not invalidate one's fast. Medical tablets, this is another important mas'ala. Medical tablets that are placed under the tongue to treat asthma attacks, etc. So long as you avoid swallowing the, swallowing the residue. So meaning this, one can use medical tablets that are placed under the tongue to treat asthma attacks, etc. So long as you avoid swallowing any residue. Insertion of anything into the private parts. So for example, our sisters, during the month of Ramadan, they go to the gynecologist and they go through certain medical examinations. Insertion of medical instruments or IUD into the womb. Anything that enters the urinary tract of a female or male, such as a catheter, a tube or medical scopes, or something to wash the bladder, fillings, extractions, cleaning of teeth, whether with a siwak or a toothbrush. All of this that I mentioned, this does not break one's fast. Rinsing of the mouth, gargling, sprays, etc. So long that you avoid swallowing anything that reaches the throat. With regards to oxygen or anesthetic gases, so long as that does not give the patient any kind of nourishment again, this will not break one's fast. Anything that may enter the body via absorption through the skin, such as creams, etc., again, one's fast is not invalidated. Insertion of a fine tube via the veins for diagnostic imaging or treatment of the veins or of the heart or any part of the body, again, this will not invalidate one's fast. And this will, you will find again these masail in a book by Sheikh Uthaymin rahimallahu ta'ala Al-Majalis or Majalis or Ramadan and the Sheikh has a booklet as well Sab'una Mas'ala Fi Siyam As for the latter, that book has not been translated into English according to my knowledge. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, these masail that we discussed now, this came, or how did we reach this? Through certain ahadith that we did last week with regards to things that invalidate one's fast. So now, alhamdulillah, we'll be getting back to our book, which is Buluhul Maram. And we are studying the chapter of fasting. And the first hadith that we are going to look at tonight is a hadith under the chapter heading Eating and Drinking Out of Forgetfulness. An Abi Hurairata radiyallahu anhu qala qala rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam man nasiya wa huwa saimun fa'akala aw shariba falyutimma sawmahu fa'innama at'amahu allahu wa saqa muttafakun alayhi. Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, he narrated that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, 
whoever forgets that he is fasting and he eats or drinks is to complete his fast as it was Allah who fed him and gave him something to drink. And this hadith is muttafakun alayh, it is agreed upon. And agreed upon means, or muttafakun alayh, it means that you will find this hadith in the sahih of Imam al-Bukhari and the sahih of Imam Muslim. May Allah be pleased with both of them. Walil-Hakim, and Hakim, he says, Man aftara fi Ramadan nasiyan, fala qada'a alayhi, Al-Hakim, he transmitted on the authority of Abu Huraira radiyallahu an, whoever breaks his fast during Ramadan due to forgetfulness. So someone, he is fasting, but he forgot that he is fasting. And he has some water, or he has something to eat, and then he realizes, or someone tells him, my beloved brother, or my beloved sister, that you are fasting. And this person totally forgot. So what happens? He says that due to forgetfulness, it is not to make up for the day later on, meaning outside of Ramadan, or he does not have to pay a kafara and expiation. And this hadith is sahih. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, these ahadith proves that the one who eats or drinks out of forgetfulness must carry on fasting and his fast is valid. So someone, alhamdulillah, he is fasting. He forgets. It's 11 o'clock in the morning, he forgets. He has a cup of coffee. He drinks the whole cup of coffee. He realizes, subhanallah, I am fasting. He, at that moment when he realizes he is fasting, he, need to, he needs to put the cup down. He needs to put that slice of bread down. And carry on fasting. So for example, they cannot say, after drinking some water, oh, I'm fasting, but let me finish this glass of water. No. Once you have realized that you are fasting, so you will stop that whatever you are drinking or eating, carry on fasting for the day, and your fast is valid. The hadith says that this is a sustenance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sustained you. You drank a bit, you forgot that you were fasting, so you drank a bit of water. Allah reminded you that you are fasting, this was a gift, this was sustenance from Allah azza wa jal. Another important point, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, there is no qada for this person, meaning, he does not have to repay this day that he drank water and carried on fasting. Or he ate a sandwich and he carried on fasting. There is no color. There is ijma. There is consensus amongst the ulama on this matter that somebody, he eats or he drinks because of forgetfulness that he, need, he will carry on fasting for the rest of the day and he does not have to pay back that day. Imam Malik, rahimallahu ta'ala, Imam Daru Hijra, Imam of the city of Medina, he held the opinion that the person must pay back the day. I will repeat, Imam Malik, rahimallahu ta'ala, Malik ibn Anas, he had the opinion that one must pay back the day. 
the latter Maliki scholars, and I will just re-emphasize this Mas'ala again, that sometimes the Imam of the Madhab, like Imam Malik, or Imam Ash-Shafi'i, or Imam Abu Hanifa, or Imam Ahmad, they might have held an opinion. But the scholars within the madhab might have differed and their opinion, meaning the scholars of the madhab's opinion, might have been carried through and this might have been the rajih opinion of the madhab as is the case with the Maliki scholars. That the latter Maliki scholars, they held the view that the fast is valid of someone that forgot and he ate something whilst he was fasting. The ulama, the scholars of this ummah, they make qiyas, they draw analogies on this mas'ala with regards to other issues that invalidates one's fast. What am I saying? So the ulama, they explain that one can make qiyas on this mas'ala with regards to other issues that invalidates the fast, meaning if a person forgets. So remember we spoke about nose drops. And a person, he forgot that he was fasting. And he used maybe three nose drops per nostril and he realized that this went down to his throat but because he forgot his fast is not invalidated another example someone he believed that cupping invalidates his fast but he forgot that he was fasting and he went for cupping so based on this hadith of the food and drink the ulama they make kiyas that his fast won't be broken and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The next hadith narrated by Abu Huraira an Abi Hurairah radiyallahu anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam man dha man dhara'ahu الْقَيْءُ فَلَا قَضَى عَلَيْهِ وَمَنِ اسْتَقَاعَ فَعَلَيْهِ الْقَضَى رَوَاهُ الْخَمْسَةِ وَأَعَلَّهُ أَحْمَدٍ وَقَوَّاهُ دَارُ قُدْنِي أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه نريتد that the messenger of Allah سبحانه وتعالى he said whoever is overcome and he vomits is not to make up the day. Meaning that whoever vomits and he vomits not because he made himself vomit, but rather he did this unintentionally. Maybe he was extremely nauseous, maybe he ate too much for suhoor, whatever it might be. He had was walking somewhere and he came across a very foul smell and he vomited he does not need or she does not need to make up the day but whoever vomits intentionally must make up 
the day. And this hadith is narrated by the five imams. The four of them are the Ashabu Sunan. And the fifth imam being Imam Ahmad rahimallahu ta'ala. And I'm not going to go into too much detail as we discussed this earlier on or at the start of the class when we discussed the issue of vomiting. The next mas'ala, my beloved brothers and sisters, that we are going to look at is the mas'ala of fasting whilst on travel. The mas'ala of fasting whilst on travel. So alhamdulillah, this is the month of Ramadan. And many people, for example, they go on Umrah. Many people, they go to visit Masjid Al-Aqsa. Many people, they are on business trips. So what happens? Let's look at the ahadith. وَعَنْ جَابِرِ بْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ خَرَجَ عَامَ الْفَتْحِ إِلَى مَكَّ فِي رَمَضَانِ فَصَامَ حَتَّى بَلَغَ كُرَاعَ الْغَمِيمِ فَصَامَ النَّاسُ ثُمَّ دَعَى بِقَدَحٍ مِنْ مَاءٍ فَرَفَعَهُ حَتَّى نَظَرَ النَّاسُ إِلَيْهِ ثم شرب فقيل له بعد ذلك إن بعد الناس وإن بعض الناس قد صام قال أولئك العصات أولئك العصا وفي لفظ فقيل له إن الناس قد شق عليهم الصيام وَإِنَّمَا يَنْظُرُونَ فِي مَا فَعَلْتَ فَدَعَا بِقَدَحٍ مِنْ مَاءٍ بَعْضَ الْعَسِرِ فَشَرِبَ رَوَاهُ مُسْلِمْ Jabir ibn Abdullah He narrated that the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He left for Makkah during the year of the quest or the conquest of Makkah, Fathul Makkah. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, was or took place during the month of Ramadan. Imagine Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Rahmatul lil alameen, the seal of all prophets. He left from, from Medina all the way to Makkah during the month of Ramadan. Sometimes we find people, maybe we run institutes, some of us are teachers at schools, and even those people that are at work, you will find someone, I can't come to work for the whole day, it is the month of Ramadan, um, we can't have exams, we can't write tests. Yeah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he's showing us that he traveled all the way from Medina to Mecca. To do what? Not just to, to perform Umrah, no, but rather to take back Mecca, the city once upon a time where Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, where he was born. The city where Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, where he was forced to leave. As the Prophet, peace be upon him, he mentioned, 
that had it not been that I was driven out of Mecca by the Quraysh, I would have never ever left Mecca. So he enters Mecca, Fathul Mecca, the conquest of Mecca during the month of Ramadan. And he and the people with him fasted until they reached the valley of Qura al-Ghamim. Then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he called for a cup of water, which he elevated so that the people could see it. In some narrations, it says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he stood on a raised platform so the people could see it. And then he drank. Afterwards, he was told that some people continued to fast. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he replied and he said that those are the disobedient ones, those are the disobedient ones. In another narration, he was told that the people are finding it difficult to fast during the journey and they are waiting to see what the Prophet, peace be upon him, would do. So he called for a cup after Asr. And obviously we know, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that the time between or the time of the Asr to the time of Maghrib is a short time. But yet the Prophet ﷺ, he drank a cup of water after Asr, showing the people that it is fine to break your fast when you are on travel. And this is narrated by Imam Muslim. An Hamza Tabani Amr. الأسلامي رضي الله عنه أنه قال يا رسول الله أجد بقوة على الصيام في السفر فهل علي جناح فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم هي رخصة من الله فمن أخذ بها فحسن ومن أحب أن يصوم فلا جناح عليه Rawahu Muslim. Hamza ibn Amr al-Aslami. May Allah be pleased with him. He narrated that I said to the Messenger of Allah, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, I find within me the strength to fast whilst traveling. Would there be any blame upon me if I were to do so? So, he says that he finds the strength to fast while he is traveling. Would there be any blame upon me if I were to do so? Meaning, if I were to fast on travel, the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him that it is a rukhsa, it is a concession from Allah. Whoever takes this rukhsa, he has done well. And whoever likes to fast, there is no blame upon him. This is narrated by Imam Muslim rahimallahu ta'ala. So yeah, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we see that the one hadith says that whomsoever does not break his fast on travel, whomsoever does not fast, on the, or whomsoever fasts on travel, so he's fasting, he goes on travel, he does not break the fast. 
he continues fasting. Remember what the hadith says? The first hadith says that they have indeed disobeyed Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That indeed they have disobeyed Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we know, we know the punishment or we know what our end situation is going to be when we disobey Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is a big thing. The other hadith, it mentions, the person asked Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is it fine, is it okay, that when I travel, that I continue my fast. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, that for the traveler, there is a rukhsah, that he is allowed to break his fast. And if he wants to continue to fast, there is no problem with this as well. So from these ahadith, majority of the ulama, majority of the scholars, says that the traveler can fast or he can eat. If you feel you have the strength to fast, then fast. If you feel that you have the strength to eat, I mean, afwa, not the strength to eat, but if you feel that you are weak and you feel that this traveler has taken so much of my energy, then you are allowed to break your fast. Dawood al-Zahiri and Ibn Hazm, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with both of them, they held the opinion that the traveler must not fast. According to them, the traveler, it is wajib, it is compulsory on him to break his fast whilst he is traveling. He must not fast. And they use the following verse: "فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرَ." But if any of you, if any of you is ill, if any of you sick, or you on a journey. فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ Then the same number meaning from other days. What does this last part mean? فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ That those days that you missed because you were ill or because you were on a journey must be made up after the month of Ramadan. So they took this hadith, they took this verse, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ They also used the portion of the hadith where the Prophet said, those are the disobedient ones. Those are the disobedient ones. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the strongest view is that of the majority. That you have a choice. If you want to fast, fast. If you want to eat, eat. Going back, or oh, let us answer the verse that they used. This verse indicates that the one who is ill or traveling and didn't fast, he needs or she needs to pay back the missed days. This is what the verse means. 
And this also indicates, and this is an important lesson, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, with regards to this mas'ala, that the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the ahadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it explains the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the Qur'an. So we live in a time, we live in a society where we find that certain people, certain groups, they believe and they call themselves the Qur'aniyun. That they only follow that which is in the Qur'an. They don't accept the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And clearly here we can see that the sunnah, it explains the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was sent. He was sent with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But also Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was sent with the sunnah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he makes mention in Surah Al-Najm, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَى That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he did not speak out of his own accord, but rather, he spoke of that, or from that which we inspired him to speak, and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke. And obviously, Tonight's lesson is on fiqh of Ramadan, the fiqh of fasting, and not of ihtijaj sunnah or difa' sunnah the protection of the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, of the practice of our mashayikh, the practice of our teachers, whatever subject they will be teaching, if it comes that there is a mas'ala that needs explanation, even if it is not the subject matter that we are dealing with, then they would try and simplify this matter for us and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us success in the dunya and the akhirah. A mas'ala that comes up, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. What is afdal? What is better? Is it better for me to fast or is it better for me to eat when I am traveling? The Hanafi Madhab and the Shafi'i Madhab, they hold the view that fasting is better if there is no difficulty. Again, the Hanafi Madhab and the Shafi'i Madhab they hold the opinion that it is better to fast if there is no difficulty, if there is no mashaqqah, or there is no harm. So I have set forth on a journey. And I'm fasting. And alhamdulillah, there was no difficulty. I left from Cape Town. For example, I caught a 9 o'clock flight. I landed in Johannesburg at 11 o'clock. Alhamdulillah on the plane, 
fell asleep, I was reading Quran, listening to a lecture, Alhamdulillah. And I landed. From there I went straight to a meeting in Johannesburg. And Alhamdulillah, I never felt anything. I never had any hardship. So according to the Hanafiya and the Shafi'iyya, fasting is better for you. However, according to them, if there is difficulty, so for example, someone he drives from Medina to Mecca to perform Umrah during the month of Ramadan. So he's driving his own vehicle, he's fasting. And it's 45 degrees, close to 50 degrees. So he starts off fasting, he leaves Medina. He comes about an hour into his journey. And he realizes that, you know what, I'm getting dizzy, I'm getting extremely hungry, I need something to keep me awake, I'm falling asleep, everyone else in the vehicle, they fasting, so they fast asleep. So what happens? He decides to stop at the petrol station, he fills up petrol, and he drinks something. According to the Hanafiya and the Shafi'iyya now, this is fine for him because he's going through difficulty. That was opinion number one. Opinion number two. The Hanabila and the Malikiya. They held the opinion that it is better not to fast. Because the Hadith mentions that this is a Ruhsa from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a concession. And the concession was that you do not fast. So accept the gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. There is a third opinion. And to me, if one looks at the times that we are living in today, this seems like the rajih opinion. This seems like a preponderant opinion and this seems that opinion that we might tend to give to people. This was the opinion of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. This was the opinion of Mujahid. This was the opinion of Qatada. And this was the opinion of Ibn Mundir. They said that the person needs to look at his situation himself. And see what is easier for him. If fasting is easier for him, then fast. If eating is going to be the better option for him, then break your fast. And my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, on this point, this is something that each and every person that is traveling needs to look at himself. Sometimes you get a call, you get a question, what should I do? The student of knowledge, the sheikh, the da'i, the mufti that you are phoning, they don't know the current situation that you are in. So again, I would go for the third opinion, which is rather look what is easier for yourself whilst you are traveling. And if fasting is easier, easier, then fast. And if it is easier for you to break your fast, remember there is no harm for you, and you are allowed to break your fast. However, when it comes to the end of Ramadan, you will need to pay back the day. 
And this brings us to the end of this chapter that we are dealing with. This brings us to the end of tonight's lesson. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially during the times that we are going through, the times of great trials and tribulations, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He forgives us, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He forgives our parents, He forgives the whole ummah at large, and a short message from myself that we should increase in istighfar, increase in seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, increase in the recitation of Quran, give out sadaqah, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And last but not least, remember my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that there is nothing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for you, but that it will reach you. And there is nothing that has not been decreed, but that it will not reach you. With this few words, we end tonight's lesson. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu wa la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.